Insights that you get from icons in the industry that have been around since the beginning is priceless. And my interview with Todd Cochran, the CEO of Blueberry Podcasting, which is a podcast media company that represents 105,000 audio and video podcasters, will not disappoint. I love hearing about the growth and changes of the podcasting industry, but Todd also shares some amazing tips for growing your own podcast by analyzing the data, what you should focus on as a new podcaster and more. So let's dive in. So, hey, welcome to the Leverage Your Podcast Show. I'm your host, Lindsay Phillips of smoothbusinesspodcasting.com. My goal is to help you leverage podcasting to skyrocket your visibility, authority, and business by sharing insider secrets from podcast industry experts, including myself, <laughs> who have created a successful business through podcasting. So let's dive in. Hey, everyone. I mean, today I have an absolute icon on the show and super excited to chat with Todd Cochran. I mean, you all would have heard of Blueberry Podcasting, the hosting, and you've probably seen him online with the new media show that he does with Rob Greenlee. And of course, he has the Geeks News Central of his own. He is online all the time. And like I said, he's an absolute icon in the podcasting industry. So an absolute honor to have you on the show. Well, thanks for having me on. Appreciate to be on. Uh, and a fellow Minion fan. That's right. Got, <laughs> gotta love You're all right in my books. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, clearly you've been in the podcasting industry for years. Um, what got you into the podcasting industry and what has surprised you most about the growth and the changes over the years? Yeah, before the modern internet, I was running a bulletin board, was doing communications, which would take weeks to transit the, the country or the world. And then when the modern internet came, I decided to be a blogger and that's a pretty bad one. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's strange how things happen, but I was just in the right place at the right time. Yeah. I heard about podcasting and I said, well, I, I love to talk. And uh, so where I was a pretty poor blogger, I turned out to be a decent podcaster and really was very, very early in the space. Probably, I think we've narrowed it down to like one of the first 30 shows or something like that. Wow. So yeah, it was real early. But the first show was done with a lab tech uh, microphone from Walmart, 1495. You can imagine how the audio quality was on that. <laughs> but uh no, it was just, it was really the, the desire was, was just to share my passion about tech. That's how it kind of got going. That's awesome. And so, so that was you, obviously, do you have to figure out all like the nitty gritty and the behind the scenes and oh, like how, like, everything. There, were, there would there was, be no other industry leaders. You'd have to figure it all out yourself. Yeah. It's, it, it was all, we made it up as we went and there was no hosting companies yet. There was uh, oh. manual creation of RSS fees. I mean, it was real. So it had to, you had to be a little bit of a tech nerd to make it right, work. Right. And that's why there were so many tech shows in the beginning days. But then very, very quickly, within about a year, then some of the tools started to happen and it got easier. And but thank goodness we don't have to do some of those things we did. But it was just like, you know, it was like that first advertising deal I did with GoDaddy. I didn't know how much to charge. I had not nearly yeah. a clue. And I literally charged 10 times less than I should have charged. As always and is the case. Yeah. So it was, in, in, you know, it's purely we we kind of figured out as we went. But uh, thank goodness we're at a point today where 
things are kind of figured out. Now people are just trying to grow their shows. I know it. So do you think it's easier now or harder? Cause I mean, you have all the tools, there's the software, but there's also the monetizing, the promotion, the, the getting the audience, like, would you say it was easier back then or now? Well, there was no iPhone. There was no Facebook. There was no Twitter. Yeah. There was no social media. Um, per se, you yeah. had your website, you built your brand and that's what you had to live and die by the sword on. It was really building your brand and then building authority in any way you could. And you were hanging out on chat boards and wherever you could find an audience. And really that true thing that still happens today is that word of mouth was mm. key. Six degrees of separation was really in effect yeah. because it was like other people telling other people, other people telling other people. And ultimately that's how you build an audience because there was no way to really get the word out because mainstream media was completely controlled. And that was part of our thing about podcasting in the early days was let's bypass the man and you know, let's yeah. bypass Microsoft. Let's bypass all these companies that controlled what you saw and heard, uh, not only on media, but on the internet. And uh, I, I think we've been very successful at that. Yeah. It's grown and changed in leaps and bounds. And in one way it's kind of scary and it's cool. And on the other hand, it's like, you know, what's next? <laughs> Who knows? Right. And I'll get your opinion on that soon. Um, so how did you start Blueberry? I mean, where did that even come yeah. from out of necessity? Well, what it really happened was, is uh, I had done that deal with GoDaddy in June of 05. And after that first month, we came back and we're having the conversation about signing for a year. And we did the negotiations on the deal. And I had actually underbid myself. And but there's a whole story to that. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, at the end of that conversation, when we had finally got the contract uh, figured out, the uh, gal by the name of Chris Redlinger, she's really the, the genesis point of, of Blueberry and the company that actually is behind it, which is called Raw Voice. Right. She said, do you know other podcasters that would like to advertise on podcasts? And I'm like, Yes, I do, because I had already formed a tech network. Perfect. So I went over to those shows and said, hey, here's a deal. GoDaddy wants to advertise. In the meantime, my brain's working. And on my next podcast, I basically said to my audience, I need a lawyer, I need an MBA, I need a programmer, and I need a, a graphics guy and a graphics person. And I said, we're having a free conference call in like 10 days. And if you can bring one of those skills. So on that phone call was a lawyer a program, no, uh, a developer, an MBA yeah. and me and the, the, uh, the graphics guy said, Hey, I know a developer, get him on the phone. And we literally formed the company over the phone. We never saw each other. for the first Wow. Six months. It was crazy. And it was born from my original tech show. That's crazy. Yeah. And obviously, you know, the features, the interface, I mean, so much has changed, um, sure. with the comp. Yeah. <laughs> What are you most proud of? Um, really, you know, our stats, if we go back, that was the first major project project that we had to figure out. And yeah. we launched the stats in 2006. And it was really because we had to get rid of all this junk that was in the data. And Angelo, who was the founding CIO, he really was the genius behind that and came up with the logarithm. And Really, a lot of the stuff that is measured today, the IEB tech spec that is today, at least 10 pages of that spec really originated from 
a group called Association for Downloadable Media, which formed, but Angelo head up the measurement group and essentially wrote that document. So when IEB came in place, we handed that paperwork over. So what Libsyn, PodTrack, and us had agreed on back like in 2007 or 2008 was really the genesis piece that started to build the IEB tech lag measurement data piece. So it's kind of funny. It's It was almost like we, we said, yeah, here's the keys to the car and go ahead and and of course, it's been modified and expanded, but right. the, the stats that we've done is really, and you think about it, we've been measuring podcasts, literally millions of podcasts since 2006. So we got a lot of data there. That oh, goes yeah. Way, way back. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Now, for some people that don't know all the acronyms, can you explain what IAB is? Yeah, it's an interactive advertising bureau. It's a membership uh, trade organization. Uh, we write a check every year to belong and then participate. And membership dues are based upon how much money your company makes. So a company like Microsoft pays a big check and I pay a big mm. check, but smaller. <laughs> and um, then we can be involved in uh, spheres of the Internet, basically the advertising and audio space um, from that. So uh, we try to represent to the best of our ability because we really are an independent. You know, a lot of the shows that work with us are independent podcasters. Yeah. So we have to be their voice. And that was part of the reason we joined the IEB too in the early days when that first document was being worked on. We'd heard some rumors of some things that we didn't like. So we wrote the check to be in there to, to participate and have a say. And it was the, probably the best investment we made as far as a trade show organization. So again, they're not like rulers over anything, but they just set guidelines. I was just going to say they set the, the standards and the so that there's compliance and right. Right. Yeah. That makes total sense. Now, what I noticed about, um, I should probably backtrack a little bit. Um, so for those that aren't familiar with blueberry, can you explain kind of like what it is and what sure. some of the key features are? So I guess at this point in time, we weren't originally when we first started, we were just doing the advertising piece, but now we're a full service podcast hosting company provide everything. It's, uh, mm. Uh, the monetization, we provide the ability for you to host your show. We have growth tools. We have the the statistics and measurement, and we have uh, audience analytics. Uh, we have private podcasting, uh, it's, uh, ad insertion. So really anything a podcaster would need, including tools for folks that are building networks, actually have a, a showcase of their network and some some stuff like that. But we're probably, most of the people that, may have never heard of the services, may be familiar with our plugin, our PowerPress plugin yeah. for WordPress is used by about 85,000 podcasters. Not all right. of them, not all of them host with us. We wish they would, but um, that's probably where, you know, most folks knew us from the beginning was because of the plugin. Gotcha. And um, so Obviously, you've had a lot of clients and podcasts over the years. Curious to know, because um, I know I've seen like the private podcast come up a little bit more and more. How many people are actually doing the, the private um, podcast? And is that it, growing? It's probably 80% corporate for internal communications. Right. So they actually get an app, iOS and Android app, and they authenticate through their normal company credentials. And then we, they set the security level of the content at the level they want. We've got banks, medical, 
Gotcha. That uh, Linktree, groups like that that are doing internal communications that even us as the hosting provider, we can't get access to the content either. Once it goes into our system, it's encrypted. Interesting. So it's completely a, um, a closed ecosphere. Matter of fact, at the highest security level of private podcasting, it's not even a podcast anymore. It's just streamed. So it's, a, it's an interesting product. But for private, uh, for independent podcasters, a lot of people are using them more for premium content. Yeah. And, and, and they're basically putting stuff on that they don't want to be shared. There's, there's lots of options out there. And I tell people they're looking for a, a premium solution. Just be, be careful because there's a lot of security through obscurity. And that's a, t- a term my team made up. It's because some folks say, oh, yeah, you can secure this content. And it's really kind of not. So you kind of have to be careful. And especially mm-hmm. if it's something you've spent a lot of money or time designing and you don't want shared. Now, if it's just something as a bonus to your audience, yeah. it's not that big of a deal. But some folks have created courses and you know whatever it may be that they're trying to protect that they don't want it to be shared out there. So that's really totally. what it's designed for. Yeah, that's interesting. And I always think like people who have courses or they have a mastermind or they have clients and they want to share, you know, exclusive content or things that are more proprietary. Um, but yeah, didn't, I don't know why, but I didn't really think about the whole corporate, you know, big brands and what they have in the back end. but yeah. And then confidentiality absolutely would yeah. be crucial and privacy. Yeah. The corporates are using it for HR. They're using it for executive, uh, mm-hmm. announcements, training, sales team collaboration. It's uh, the, the use cases are crazy. One of the companies in the UK is using it for uh, ongoing education for doctors and nurses. Oh, they wow. have to have, and it was really driven from COVID because people couldn't go to symposiums anymore. Right. So we had to find a way to guarantee that they listened or watched because it Ooh. does both audio and video. And unlike a normal podcast where we don't know if they really listened, the private podcasting allows you to set a, to track, you can actually track a user and how many times they've listened, how far. Oh, cool. Cause you, yeah, because you got their authentication data. You've got their right. login. That makes so sense. You know, yeah. So again, that is that's a, a plus. So, you know, if if John Smith has listened to episode 22, 82 times, maybe it's a problem. You know, maybe that person is, <laughs> you know, maybe they've they've shared a login or something. So you can kind of track that. Yeah, yeah. That's good to know. Um, now what I really want to dive into and uh and share with people is your statistics the type of data that you get. I mean, most people, when they're podcasting, they kind of focus on, you know, how many downloads do I have? How many downloads per episode? And that's kind of like, that's it. Yeah. But there's so much more. And even, you know, looking at some of the features that you have, I was like, you know, and I've been in the podcasting industry for a while. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize you could get that granular. And I was like, pretty excited about it. Can you share, you know, what those features have? So, uh, you know, the stats in itself, if you, if you think about it, and and a lot of podcasters get wrapped around the axle and they're in there five, six, seven times a day (laughs) and, uh, or they're sitting there hitting refresh. And I kind of used to do that a little bit too in the early days because it's it's kind of exciting, but also it can be kind of like, oh my God, what's, what's happening so what we've tried to do in our focus, and this has really been a focus for the last two years in rebuilding our platform, is I've told the team everything we do, when we think about how it's going to help the podcasters, we have to help them grow. We got to give them actionable information that allows them to say, ah, 
and I need to make a change or I'm doing good or uh oh, something's sliding. So we've, we've had this uh, data for years. It's, it's a partial play data and no one ever understood it. And so we put it in what's called a retention graph. And this has just made people kind of like do backflips because what it really does is it gives them a picture into a subset of their listening audience. Now, people follow or subscribe a show. And as soon as the episodes popped out, it goes to their favorite podcatcher and that just downloads and it's gone. Mm -hmm. And we still don't know if those people listen besides what the data Spotify and Apple and Google will give us back from their data sets from client side data. But what we do when someone actually hits play versus having followers subscribe, we track what happens with that media. And if they hit stop uh, at any point, we know within 10 or 15% where they hit stop. And we can actually track on a retention graph how long they've stayed. So we've come up with a metric that allows people to say, hey, you've got like an 82% retention, meaning you've, the, the listener made it to 75% of the show. And that's kind of what we base it on is 82% got to 75%. Uh, one of our big corporate clients used this data early on. They had a program that was an hour long. And at about the 45-minute mark, it was just people were leaving. Mm. They were bailing like flies. And so they were looking at the data and said, okay, what maybe this segment in the show is not resonating, causing people to leave. And they pulled that two-minute segment. And then that whole show got to about the 97, 98% before wow. people. Yeah. So you can make intelligent um, analysis of, of an individual episode or the show as a whole. And that's what we've really done with the retention graph. Now we're going to be bringing on throughout the year, a whole bunch of new graphs to give people, you know, examples of, okay, how's my five last five episodes done in comparison to each other and those types of things. But ultimately we also want to give the audience members kind of this granular data of where the audience is coming from. So we broke it down to, the Nielsen reporting areas in the United States, you can actually see if you've got someone that's listening in Milwaukee or if they're listening in Bozy, Idaho. You know, we really can give them that granular of a view. I don't think I get too wrapped around the axle if someone's listening on Android or uh, iPhone, but sometimes you can gain data from there saying, maybe I'm not addressing the audience well enough. Maybe my Android number is a little low. Maybe I need to push, start talking about how people that are on Android device can follow or subscribe. So we try to provide that kind of information along with the standard number of downloads. And, and we also are doing things like, okay, for the last month you're up or the last month you're down and give some type of trending data. And I think that trending data helps people over time. And I think if you're a new podcaster, you know, don't get too focused on the stats, just great, great content. You know, it's sustained superior, consistent content. Uh, is more effective than almost anything else that you're going to do. And of course, there's, you know, 25 different things you need to do to grow a show. But at least at that minimum, you, you've got some, some idea of what's going on with your podcast. That's huge, especially the retention, because if people are, you know, you'd say you have your call to action, or especially if you are having sponsors or ad reads, and it's like they're not being heard because they're at that end of it. Um, like you need to know that information right. to again, optimize it. it. And again, it might be only 10% of 
of, of the total downloads where we're getting this data, but it allows you to at least kind of say, oh, yeah, okay, so maybe my regular audience is follow or subscribe, maybe they're doing the same thing. And then it also boils really down to is why am I losing them and what can I change? And I always caution people, you know, only do one change in your show at a time and then, you know, go up a number of episodes to see if it was effective uh, because you don't want to change too many things. We're all creatures of habit. I think when we listen to podcasts, we know what's coming next. Yeah. If, especially if we're listening to a show and if you start really mixing things up, people are going to get confused and maybe cause them to bail. For sure. And it even just, you know, obviously it's hard when you're first starting, but you know, even if you're looking at it quarterly to kind of see what those numbers are, the mm-hmm. trends is their growth. I had one client that um, he did interviews and solo episodes and actually found that his solo episodes got way more downloads than the interviews. So it's like, you know, okay, it's time to make a switch, you know, do an interview here and there kind of thing. But um, that's huge information to know what's working, even topics, you know, like if you have Mm -hmm. all these topics about, I don't know, processes and procedures and they're not getting any listens, but ones on X, Y, Z, R will do more of that because right, you're right. obviously attracting your avatar more effectively. It's great it's, information it, to have. It, you know, Rob Greenlee and I do a co-host show with the new media show together and him and I, our shows when we're together by ourselves do better by far than any time we bring a guest. And it doesn't matter who the guest is. I've had some very big name people mm-hmm. in the podcasting space. And those numbers are always lower. It's bizarre to us, yes. but, but they come people in, in, in ultimately though, you, you as the host are in people's heads. So they come to listen to you. Yeah. And if the guest brings value, that's good. But sometimes maybe you've got more authority than you think. That's a great tip for someone. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it's like, I like shows where there are two people having a conversation, like especially co-hosted because there's a certain chemistry between like, you know, between you and Rob and you like could probably finish each other's sentences by now. Mm -hmm. And just that rhythm and your insight and the way you play ideas off of each other. um, It's very engaging. So I could see why people would want that. And sometimes a guest or a co-host will help carry you when you're having a bad day and vice versa. Yeah. And, you know, having done a solo show for 1600 episodes though, but I'll be frank with you. I, I don't have to rely on anybody. And if I'm feeling good, I pull up the mic. Yeah. If I'm feeling bad when it's Rob and I, I have to tell, I have to go. I still have to record. And that because he's got his schedule matched to mine. So that is the benefit of being a solo but again, if you're being a solo show, then you got to bring your A game. It's like mm-hmm. you're going to laugh, but I'm going to hold up an empty Red Bull can, uh, uh, can here. <laughs> that, that's my go-go juice before I do my solo shows to just to make sure if I am had a long day, make sure my energy's yeah. up so that I don't come across as this. You know, you don't want boring. No, I know it. Uh, there are some like I do some solo episodes. I'm not comfortable with it but I know like I need to, and I fill holes or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But some people that are like, they're on and they can talk for like half an hour. And I'm like, they can just wing it and go. And I'm like, "Uh -uh, I need to prepare. And it it just, it depends on your personality. Right. I I think so. And it's, you know, I be honest with you, when I started doing live, the reason I did live is I was bored being alone. 
doing the shows. I needed a little audience uh, interactivity. Yeah. You know, it's just if it didn't matter with four or five people that came in live, they would make a comment. It was just enough to kind of keep me like, oh, yeah, they're listening. They're engaging. And I think oftentimes podcasters are looking just for that little bit of like, you know, when you don't get an email back from your audience, when you've asked them I to know. email, you, you, you kind of like, well, they don't love me no more, you know? <laughs> so it's, you have to get your feedback where you can to, to keep yeah. your motivation up. Absolutely. And just having that interaction and you have to do what sparks you, right? Like mm-hmm. I love doing interviews. I love meeting new people. Like it's fun for me. So, you know, I'm probably going to look more alive than when I do a solo episode. Right, right. For sure. Now, from your perspective, um, when someone is starting a podcast, they're new to the industry. What are some tips that you would give them or what to focus on and as a priority? Oh, some podcast coaches are going to hate me. (laughs) Uh, um, So don't do more than two or three episodes to begin with because episode one is not going to sound like five, five is not going to sound like 10, 10 is not going to sound like 20 and so forth. Um, it's okay to be a few ahead, but I wouldn't yeah. be too much farther ahead than that. Um, definitely get a podcast out every week. Uh, we have, you know, years of data that shows weekly shows do better than biweekly. And the reason is simple people, build you into their lives. They're going to listen to you on the treadmill at 6 a.m. or they're going to listen to you on the commute now that we're back. Some of us are back commuting. So they they build you into their schedule. And when you're not there, they're going to fill you with somebody else. Um, Have good energy. If you're not feeling it, don't record. But make sure you get it out on schedule. Yeah. So if that means making up time and probably the most controversial thing if you're doing seasons, people are going to flip. If you end season one on Friday, season two starts on Monday for the first two years. If you're a new podcaster, you mm. have to be there every week. Now, if you're Oprah, you can take seasons and you can take three months off. Okay? <laughs> totally. Or if you have a good strategy to build your mm. audience and say, hey, we're going to take a six week break, but there's going to be something on the website for you to chew on. Or maybe a little audio sample or a remix of something, something to keep them going. That's okay. But uh, when I tell people they can't take a break for two years, I get I get scowls. Um, I bet. It, it, but it's what it takes. You have to grind yeah. through this to build an audience. And especially if you don't have authority already. My I had two goals with my tech show. Number one was to build authority in the tech space. So I could go to trade show events and get press passes and all that stuff. And the second thing was invoked by my wife to monetize. Mm-hmm. She, she said, this thing's got to pay for itself. It can't be a boat <laughs> anchor. So it was the, I had two goals and I achieved those both. And then so I think it's important for a podcaster to really have a goal. So if, you, if your sure. goal is authority, great. If your goal is monetization, great but set a fixed goal for yourself. If your goal, if your goal is to have a good time, good time, have a good time. You don't have to monetize. If you, if your goal is to educate people or save mm-hmm. someone or whatever it may be, um, just set a goal for the show. And I think it really allows you to laser focus on what you, what you share in your podcast. That is true. And it even affects what you do and how you do it. 
Um, like if your goal is lead gen, or if you're like you said, educating people, or maybe it's just part of your content marketing to get more right. visibility. Yep. Um, it's not all about the sponsorships and um, the ads. Um, yeah, there's so many different facets. 50% of the podcasters don't want to monetize because yeah. they're using podcasts for a different reason. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what do you think is missing in the industry? What do you wish, you know, if you waved your magic wand and. Yeah, it's, it's very, very simple. We got to put money in the 47% of people that are not monetized that want to be monetized. That's what's missing. And, you know, in the early days of podcasting, there were no big shows. So everybody got a deal. They didn't yeah. care if you had $10,000 or 5,000 per episode or whatever it was. They didn't care. They just wanted it in the content. So we were putting 500 shows on an ad box. And now media buyers want to put three or four or five and they want to be every other episode or whatever it may be. And we worked really, really hard. I've worked hard and tirelessly for many, many years to bring that money back because it moved out. It, it rolled up into the big shows and never came back. Yeah. So up until probably a year and a half ago, I was really skeptical on programmatic. And um, now I'm in a position where I think we just have to get money in podcasters' pockets, whether for those that want it. Number one, I, maybe it's just take their partner to dinner money. Two, maybe it's car payment money. Maybe three, maybe it's apartment or house payment money. And maybe number four, we're able to do life-changing money. Mm -hmm. So I, I think the key here is, is if you have, sometimes you have a partner and they're saying, what are you doing with the show? You're spending all this time. It's costing so it, much for production. It, you know, it's it's whatever, you know, the the whatever money's going out and the time you're spending is not time you're spending with the significant other. And if they're not completely on board, it's real good to be able to say, honey, or your partner or whatever, I here's 50 bucks. I earned last month from the show. Let's let's go, you know, and maybe 50 bucks isn't gonna buy dinner, but maybe it'll contribute to it. Or it's just the idea that we yeah, it gives people appreciation. So I think that um, we have to monetize those that want to monetize. Um, yeah, that's that's it's a big thing, and that's something we've been working hard on for the last. That's couple awesome. Months. Yeah, because it does feel like if you don't have five thousand downloads per episode, then you're hooked. Um, right. And like you said, even if it's a little bit to help pay for your production, or it just validates what you're doing as well, and kind of re-motivates you and kind of brings that passion back. Yeah. Bigger shows are always better, but niche always pays well too. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. You know, had a neurosurgeon that had about a thousand other neurosurgeons listening to him. He was earning $20,000 an episode, but it was super niche. Wow. Yeah. He was, and he was sense. reaching a super niche, you know, highly influential audience. So, you know, the more niche and valuable the audience is, you don't have to have a big show to have life-changing money. Yeah. And it's not always quantity, you know, it's That's quality. Right. I mean, if you it's have a hundred listeners that are like binging your stuff mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. buying your products and blah, That's blah, right. blah, versus, you know, a thousand passive listeners that kind of come and go and don't take any action, then I know yep. which one I'd rather have. <laughs> Me too. And, and, and I also tell podcasters too, when they get stressed about their numbers, I'm always like, just visualize it. You know, if, if your numbers are 150 or 200, when you sit down, pull the microphone up, imagine 150 or 200 mm -hmm. people in front of you. And it changes your perspective a lot because the, the, if you, if you don't think of visualize 200 people in the, in sitting in front of you, 
you're you're gonna perform differently if you know they're in front of you versus just the anonymity of the microphone. So if you can visualize that they're sitting there, then you're going to give a much better performance and you're going to value their time. That's true. That's really true. And even like when you hear like one person's feedback, like, oh, that episode was super helpful. I implemented it. Thank you. Like even just getting that tiny little piece of like, oh, I made a difference in someone's business or life. Like mm-hmm. you're like, whoo, OK, I'm good now. <laughs> oh, or if someone's coming is, is a hater and I've had those, too. You know, I, there's a guy that used to listen to the show. His name was Sal. I wish he still listened, but he quit. Finally got he he he, he you know, he yelled at me enough. He said, you know, so I always use Sal's feedback to help get the audience engaged. Oh, interesting. You know? so <laughs> I embrace the haters. You know, but if, if, if the rest of the audience kind of says, yeah, sells right, then you go, oh, well, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe I need to change. Maybe, maybe Sal just isn't the outlier, you know, so I, I, you know, you can use that one of two ways. Totally. That is true. <laughs> um, what do you see coming up? Like, what do you forecast over the next year? You know, here's what we saw during COVID. We had this huge uh, people were taking on more shows. One, two, three. And um, businesses all jumped in space because they were already businesses were already doing YouTube, Instagram, mm-hmm. they're doing everything, but they weren't doing podcasting. So businesses are now in the um, the challenge really for the industry is for those that started more than one show. Are you going to have enough time and energy to continue the shows now that baseball and now that we're back taking people to soccer totally. practice and all these real life events where we have to leave the house is back within our lives. Are you going to be able to maintain that? So I've watched and so far people are maintaining those additional shows. But here's the best part. Um, oftentimes people will say, well, there's Todd, there's there's too many shows already. There's three point seven or four million or whatever. But really, there's only four hundred thousand to five hundred thousand shows that have produced a new episode in the last 60 days. Mm-hmm. You divide that against 20 categories. It's open. So oh, absolutely. So if someone is thinking about, oh, I'm going to do a business show. There's room for another business show. There's room for another tech show. There's another room for another self-help show. So the industry is going to continue its, its climb. And I just, I, but I, again, we have to help podcasters because I hear this five times, 10 times a week. How do I grow my show? How to grow my show? How to mm-hmm. grow my show? And we got to help podcasters grow their show. So I think I'm hearing it. Libson's hearing it, PodTrack, everyone's hearing it. So I think we're all kind of focused on helping give podcasters tools to help grow their shows. And again, intelligible, actual data. Yeah. I can't help you with your content, but at least I can tell you maybe where you're slipping just through the data. And hopefully we're able to give people enough actual information that they can, they can grow their shows. If you know, it's, it's, it's tough. It really is. I understand. Yeah, it can be just to stand out. I always tell like my clients, like the more you niche down, the better, like, don't be afraid to be very specific. Mm -hmm. Um, and don't try to be like other podcasters or like, they're always like, Oh, share some shows that I can template after. I'm like, well, here's a bunch of different ideas, but no, you have to be authentic and you have to make it your own. And don't shop categories. A lot of podcasters are now shopping categories. I, I true crime is hot. I didn't, I don't, I don't know nothing about true crime. So I, I, there was no way I could fake a show. No. Chasing a genre. So, you know, you have to chase your passion 
not chase a category that might be currently a little bit. Yeah. Agreed. And true crime is really popular. (laughs) It's crazy. You know, I know that those are some fanatical audiences. Yes, they are loyal. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like Comic-Con people. They're very fanatical. (laughs) Awesome. Well, how can people find out, connect with you, find out more about you and obviously uh, Blueberry and kind of diving into those statistics and features? Sure. So the best thing about Blueberry is we give free statistics to everyone. It works with almost any oh, platform. Nice. Yeah, it works. Sadly, it does not work with Podbean or Anchor, but everyone else allows our uh, prepen. It's, it's a similar prepen to PodTrack or to Chartable. Like, so you can get free stats with us. You can't get the retention graph unless you host with us. So that's because we have to have the, the raw that's log data to, to calculate that. But you go over to Blueberry.com and it's Blueberry without the ease because we couldn't afford the ease. The, the ease cost about $2 million. So uh, so we are Blueberry without the ease and there's links there to do a free trial if you want to do one. Uh, you can always uh, drop me an email. I'm Todd at Blueberry.com. Very simple. And that's pretty much the same for any team member. Um, we've got great support. Matter of fact, we're yeah. one of the few companies you can call and say help. And we will actually answer the phone. That is help. hard to so, come by these days, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a team of podcasters. That's the beauty of the support team. So, um, yeah. So just check us out and yeah, with, with any questions, feel free to drop me an email. Awesome. Yes. You're very accessible. I always, I was a little bit nervous, um, beforehand. I'm like, worthy, (laughs) but you're very genuine. You're very authentic. You're very, um, helpful and accessible. And, um, yeah, I'm so thankful to have you on the show. I have one thing to add. Okay. You're, you're, you're a woman doing a podcast and women right now are leading the content creation space and creating Mm -hmm. more podcasts than men. So one thing that is something for me is so exciting is we have finally got to the point where everyone can have a voice in podcasting. No one can say no. You do it on your terms. There's no rules. If you're, a, if you're part of a diversity group and you're trying to get a message out, you can do that. Um, don't be afraid to, to pull up a mic and, and, and talk about your message uh, because no one can say no. Yeah. I love that. It's a chance to, to be yourself and connect with other people. And that's my favorite part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Todd. Have a great, awesome day. And I hope you get to go back to your camping soon. (laughs) And that is a wrap for this episode of the Leverage Your Podcast Show. What is your next step? Head to leverageyourpodcastshow.com to listen to more episodes to get more insider secrets. And if you are now itching to take advantage of the power of podcasting and launch your own podcast, be sure to grab my free launch guide at launchyourpodcastguide.com. We'll see you soon.